0: Let's give a hand to the youth band. They did a great job. It was youth band combined with guys who are youthful. <laughs> All right. So it's great to see our young people up there singing. So we are going to be in Second Peter today. We're going to actually cover six verses. That's a goal. We're going to double up what we did last two weeks. So if you have your Bibles, go to Second Peter as we. Again, review where we've been. Peter is writing, he sees the church, uh, he sees Christians being lit up in the gardens, persecution, families being sent to the uh, Colosseum to be fed to wild animals, and he knows he's gonna die soon. And so his last letter is writing to them to say, okay, how are we going to address the issues in the church today? As he looked out the window of Rome and thinking, here are the things: we have false doctrines, we have false teaching invading the church, we have moral compromise invading the church. And this was a brand new church that he was talking about. I believe we have the same things today and I think this is a perfect book as we walk through what's happening and what's going on. So I wanna welcome Lodi, give Lodi a hand as they uh, are joining us and those who are watching online, thank you for joining us today. Last week, we talked about the three things that um, Peter was trying to address to tell us, to give us this, that how to battle false doctrine and moral compromise in the last days, how you do that with it, because you've had a supernatural work of God in your life, that God has been faithful, and as faithful servants, he'll give you everything you need to serve him. Not everything you want, but he'll give you everything you need in order to serve him that which he's called you to do. And the last thing we said is that you get to partner with God in his plan of redemption of man. And how awesome that God has chosen to partner, for us to partner with him in his work of redemption of mankind. So I'm going to read Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 11 to kind of give the context, and then we'll kind of just t- take it apart there. So it says this, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The main idea here that Peter is going to relate to us in these next six verses our salvation is perfect and complete but needs to be diligently pursued. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your salvation is perfect and complete. You can't add anything to your salvation. It's been done for you on the cross. But at the same time, it needs, our faith needs to be diligently pursued, and that's what he's going to talk about in this. Another way of saying it is this, coming to saving faith in God is God's job. Growing in my faith is God's job and our job. Nothing I can do to bring me to salvation. He's done all of that. But after that point, it's my responsibility. God gives me the necessary helps to do that. But I've got to choose to do that. And that's what he's going to talk about here. It is your choice. Whether you're going to grow, there's positive things that come from that. But there are negative things that also will come from that if you choose not to do that. This is how Paul puts it in, in Philippians 2. He says this, therefore, my dear friends... As you've always obeyed, not only in my my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Continue. It's a process that never stops. For it is God who works in you. That's that partnering thing again. God is working with you and in you and will act according to his good purpose. I can't do anything to be saved. He has done that for me. But I'm to grow in my faith, that is up to me. R.C. Sproul, who was a, a pastor, a theologian, and he's passed away now for a couple years. He said basically, there are four kinds of people in the, in the world, and, and I believe there are four kinds of people in this room. He says, one, there's the unsaved, and they know they're not saved. They're not followers of Jesus Christ yet, and they know that, no doubt in their mind. Then there's the saved who are unsure that they're saved. That may be some of you in here. I know I'm saved, but sometimes I doubt it. I don't know. And you kind of wobble back and forth. Then there are saved who know it, and they they know they're saved. They believe it. They don't doubt it. They've never doubted it. And then there are unsaved who are sure that they are saved in this room. I mean, they think they're saved because they've checked certain boxes. They've gone to church. They're good people. And God's not going to send anyone to hell. So, boom, they're in. And I believe all four of those are represented in this room today. There are some of you here. You know you're not a believer in Christ yet, but you're here. Now, whether you're here because God's been drawing you, whether you're here, you don't get fed unless you come, I, it, it, it can be one of many things. There's some of you here are saved and aren't sure that you're saved. There's that doubt, and there's a lot of reasons that we, we put forward that... Um, I'm I'm not saved because I'm just too sinful of a person. Or I'm not saved because I can't remember the day that I made that profession of faith. Which I tell people, the only reason I remember the day because the pastor of our church, the wife, wrote me a birthday card on that day to remind me for years and then it stuck. So if you don't know a day, pick one and celebrate that day. All right, But that doesn't make anything, I don't know, I can't remember the exact date. You still feel a strong influence of sin in your life. Hello, who doesn't? Difficult times you're going through. may say, man, I'm going through such difficult times and trials. Maybe God is really not on my side when in reality, that's just a testing of your faith, which he promises for all of us. Or maybe you're just an outright rebellion against God. So that's why you're doubting whether that salvation is sure. Again, some of you have never doubted. You've never doubted your salvation. You've held on to that. And some of you are going to fall in this category of unsaved who are sure they're saved based on, well, I went to church. You're, you've checked certain boxes, and that's what you're leaning on rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Much like what Jesus says, many will stand on, uh, before me on a day and say, hey, didn't I do this? And didn't I do this? Did I cast demons out? Did I?" And he's going to look at them and say, but I never knew you. So there's about a relationship that is key. Because there's only one way to be born again. To be born again means there's a regeneration that happens in my heart. The only way a regeneration of born again can take place in my heart is that God draws me. God calls me, which he did. And then upon that, he has elected me and chosen me to be his child. And upon receiving that precious gift that we talked about last week, I've received that person's gift. I've I've repented of my sin. He's called me to repent and pledge my loyalty to him. And that's how I know I'm born again. There was no special prayer. I I don't think I've led the prayer the same way anytime of uh, helping someone come to Jesus Christ. It's not in the words. It's an action in the heart. But it was all started by God in the first place. He's the grand master. He's the grand initiator of my salvation. And he draws me into that. And now what he is taught. Peter's talking about here. Guys, understand that salvation is perfect and complete. But this this is what it means to diligently pursue that. And that's in 2 Peter 1, verse 5 says this, for this very reason. That's almost a therefore. Because God has moved in your heart, because he's given you everything you need to live out this life, because he's asked you to to help him and partner with him in this plan of redemption of man, for this very reason, it says, make every effort to add to your faith. Have an eagerness. Have a desire. Have this yearning inside to say, I want to learn more, I want to know more, I want to participate more. It has to be there. And when it says there, which is very interesting, is where it says, make every effort to add. This word add literally is taken from the word out of Greek, the choir master. William Barclay is a commentator, long gone dead, but he, he was incredible, word, did incredible word studies. And the Greek word here is choir master because in Athens, especially, they would put on these plays and these dramas and things, and they would look for what they would call the choir master, the one who was in charge. The choir master was the one who would give his time. He would give his resources to make this happen. He would work for free. He would pull everybody together. He would rehearse them because he was the choir master. And, and how William Barclay ultimately describes this as. It means lavishly to pour out everything that is necessary for a noble noble performance. That's what it says. Make every effort to add. Take responsibility. Pour yourself into it lavishly. Because God's done everything. He's saved you. He's brought you. He's empowered you. He's invited you. Now he says, now you need to boldly pursue this. You need to be that choir master. Pull the resources in. Pour of yourself and your time. And that's why Peter goes into these seven qualities, seven virtues, if you will, of a believer in Jesus Christ that we must supply this lavishly, generously, alongside what Christ has done to maintain our assurance of salvation. He's given us our salvation, but the world will pull away from that assurance. And Paul says, if you seek after these seven qualities... This will give that deepened assurance that you are saved because the devil, if he can make you doubt that, what power? How how can you impress anybody? How can you help anyone in their walk with God? How will they see Jesus if you're doubting whether he's real in the first place? The first one, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now, I mean, goodness is a good word, this is how the NIV puts it, but the word, I believe, a better rendering of the word, because it does mean this. You don't see it when, you know, i got to be good, just be a good person. That's not what the goodness means. It means moral excellence. It means a moral fortitude and courage to do the right thing, even if it means standing alone. And that's where he starts. And remember, he's looking out the window. He's seeing Christians being lit up in the garden. He's seeing his families being fed to the, for, to the wild animals. Guys, understand in this time that is coming that he's writing to the church then. And I believe today there's going to be a need for us to pursue moral excellence, to have courage, to have fortitude, and to stand up for what is right, even if it's on your own, because it may be on your own. There are things that I believe are pressing into the church today that we need believers in Christ to say, no, this is wrong. And I have the courage to speak out. Even though you may shut me up on Facebook, you may shut me up on Twitter, you may shut me up on whatever resources I have, I have to stand up and say and take moral courage to do this. And why that moral excellence? Because with moral excellence, add to this knowledge. Now, Again, he's not talking about just head knowledge. He's talking about a practical heart knowledge, and that comes from the Word of God, which I'm going to beat this drum till the day I'm dying. Guys, unless you're in the Word, you're not going to understand that knowledge, this grand wisdom that he wants to give us that we can practically apply. Because now you've had the fortitude, the moral fortitude to stand up and say, no, this is wrong. Well, where is, where is that knowledge coming from? It's coming from you being in the Word to understand why God says this wrong. What does the Word of God say? Because what was attacking then and is gonna be attacking now is people coming in, kind of using godly sounding things. You go, you know, that sounds, that sounds like it's something out of the Bible, like God helps those who help themselves. Now it doesn't say that anywhere, but it sounds good, it sounds biblical, and you need an understanding and a knowledge, and this is where there's growth. It never stops growing because this is what God says about this, and this is what God says about this, and this is, so as you stand, you have something to say for them to understand what the truth of God is all about. That's why Paul prays in Colossians 1.9, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God, I love this, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Guys, you have to be in the book. You have to understand what his word is saying to you. And so you take that moral fortitude, that moral courage, and you connect that with knowledge. And then he says the next thing, and to knowledge, self-control. Which literally means holding oneself in. I mean, I, I watched the Olympics. I, it's nice that I little see little tidbits. I mean, you know, Danish had to apologize that Hungary beat our water polo team. Uh, I said, yeah, but they take out their teeth before they play. They're a different kind of group. I just, I love watching excellence because to get to that, that place, the, the sacrifice to get that, to there. And that's what this self-control is all about. As a spirit, As an athlete, Beats his body into submission to get to that point. And where just the dynamics of I've got this all together and how the scripture would put that is don't let anything control you other than God. Don't let anything else control you. Don't let money, don't let sex, don't let drugs, alcohol, job, whatever, hobbies. Don't let that be the motivating factor. Let the Holy Spirit of God be the motivation, the self-control, because you're gonna need this because if you're standing up with moral courage, you've got the knowledge, then you've gotta make sure you've got everything together. You're holding it all together and you're leaning on the Spirit of God. That's why it says moral excellence, knowledge, self-control and then perseverance. Patient endurance to do what's right. Because, guys, the stuff that is coming, it's been coming for a while, and some of the stuff is embedded in many people's hearts. That this is right, this is what God says. When it doesn't say that, and Peter knew that, and I know that today, and so it's going to take perseverance. It's going to take this, I'm not giving up. And in a world that seems to be, just give up, just quit. It's not worth it. Peter saying, guys, you need to persevere. Barclay on this word says this, it is true virtue that a man deeply feels the things he toils against, but nevertheless despises sorrows for the sake of God. It is the courageous acceptance of everything that life can do to us, and then transmuting that of even the worst event into another step of the upward way. That when you stand up and take courage, when you have this knowledge, you understand what to say, when you've been disciplined yourself, and all of a sudden the perseverance that it comes, because the attacks will be there. Gonna come, promise you. Paul writing to Timothy, and the second Timothy says, Guys, if you desire to live a Christ like life, you're gonna be persecuted. It's gonna come in a lot of different ways. And I've said this for years, then you just need to flip that. So, therefore, if I'm not being persecuted, Am I living a Christ-like life in the first place? Is there anything about me that's challenging anything, or I'm just riding through to get to heaven someday? That's all I, that's why I'm just waiting for that day to get to heaven and not stand for anything. Moral excellence, you need to go to knowledge, you need to go to self-control, you need to go to perseverance and perseverance to godliness. This is having the right idea about God that honors him and adores him for who he is. That's what worship is supposed to be. Worship is not about singing all the right words and the right, I mean, I, I love good music. And I love worship that leads me. But if it's not leading me in worship of our great God and adoring him for his faithfulness to me and all that he's done for me, guys, you're gonna need that. You're going to need that time where you just understand God's in control. He's the one who, who shapes things. He's the one who sets leaders in motion. And you can go, what kind of, you, you put these leaders there? Yes, but that's why you need moral courage. That's why, why you need self-control. That's why you need knowledge. That's why you need perseverance. You need to do this because <coughs> you're going to have to worship me and understand I've got this, even when it seems like it's going cuckoo crazy. First Timothy 4.8 says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. When you adore God, not only are you benefiting now, he's saying, you're preparing yourself for what you're going to do later in heaven. Worship here is just a dress rehearsal of what heaven's going to be, guys. We're going to be worshiping him. This is practice of what's coming. But not only do you need God, and as he says in verse 7, and godliness, brotherly kindness. Our relationship to God is reflected in our relationship to each other. When I adore God, I believe. I, I, then I see how I'm supposed to treat brotherly kindness, this word Philadelphia, treating others as members of your own family. Now, I don't know how you treat the members of your own family, so that might be a stretch, all right? But how you'd want to be treated maybe in your family, of how we treat one another, and how we would want to be treated in that. And so this relationship with God and standing up, because I'm going to tell you something, if you're standing up for what is right, if you've got this knowledge, and all of a sudden you're needing self-control and all this perseverance because the attacks are coming, guys, you're going to need brothers and sisters next to you to encourage you as you encourage them. How important that is. And then lastly, ends with love. This is that agape love, the sacrificial love, the selfless love that we should have not only for one another, but for those outside of the faith, that we love them. We don't, we don't say, I have to accept everything you're doing. I'm loving you for who you are. I'm loving you because God created you, and I'm going to accept you as you are, but I promise I'm not going to leave you there. I promise I'm going to encourage you of what God says and what God brings along and how we should be living as faithful brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. These seven qualities that he's saying, increase, pursue. You've already got salvation. It's perfect and complete. But you need to diligently pursue these things. And he tells us why in verse 8. He's going to give us two options here. For if you possess, he's going to go positive and negative. If you possess these qualities... The if, circled in my Bible, underlined, bolded here, all up to you. Your choice. You choose if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. This word quality means much if you possess. It, that means like owning a piece of property and these qualities, the things we just, those seven items there, in increasing measure, overflowing, it talked about, that it never stops increasing. You will never get to the end of this until the side of heaven. All right? They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will keep you. One of the greatest fears I've ever, I mean, ever had... I still remember my first sermon I preached at seminary. Um, and to, to this day, it is one of my greatest fears. And that is, is that I'll miss exactly what God had called me to do, that he wanted me to do, and I just didn't do it. That I chose the easier path. I chose a different path than he had set for me. I mean, that is part of my prayer, that God, I don't want to miss what you have for me to do today. Because we get to partner with him. He wants to partner with us. And I get to partner with him and he's given me everything I need to do that. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to get caught sideways or off guard or leaning into a direction I shouldn't be. And so that is just one of those driving forces in me of saying, I don't want to be inactive. I don't want to be unproductive. I want my I want to grow. I'm, I'm not there. I forget things. I I guess i got a long way to go, but I don't ever want to stop. I wanted to, okay, two steps forward, one step back, at least I'm making progress. I need to keep pushing forward to do that. I don't want to be Jude 1.12 when we went through Jude. I don't want to be this kind of people. There are clouds without rain. (laughs) Blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit, and uprooted twice dead. I don't want to be that way. That's why... Peter says, if. Your choice. You get that choice today. I know you have that choice today because you're here, dressed, ready to go, You took breath. God's not finished with you yet. So it's a big if on me that if we pursue these qualities, if we choose to do that, then the promise is is that fruitfulness will be there. 2 Corinthians 2.14, Paul puts it this way. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, now, watch this. And through us, there's that partnering here, through us, spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. I got to ask what are people smelling when they're around us? I mean, what are they? Do they smell anything? I mean, I don't, you know, if you're a dude, you know, or, I, I like it when somebody says, oh, I like that cologne on you. I, that's a nice thing. Not you, you smell something. I mean, you don't want that. I had someone say that because I washed with a soap that had left a scent, and it left a scent. I mean, I, I, I don't really use it that much because it just doesn't go away. All right, you know, some soap goes away, and you put your cologne on. That's all they smell. This was mixing, and the person was trying to be nice, but basically said I smelled like an old man. I I, I can still remember it. It's still sitting in my. Ah. I don't, I know I'm an old man. I don't smell like an old man. <laughs> okay. What are people smelling? When you walk by are they smelling the fragrance of God, that you know God. And there's just something different about you. But Peter says, so if you pursue that that's what's going to happen but if you choose to verse 9 but if anyone does not have them if, but if anyone does not choose to pursue them he is nearsighted and blind he has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins he's a, unable to discern where he's at spiritually this is the negative part because it's all based on us. Why? He's moved in our life. He's given everything we need. He wants us to partner with him. He said, these are the qualities. These are the things you need to pursue to, get to, to give you that assurance that you are saved. But if you choose not to, you're going to be blind and short-sighted. And this thing when it says you've forgotten means you will receive Forgetfulness. because you failed to remember all that God has done for you. That's back getting into the word. When I'm in the word, I'm reminded again and I'm reminded again of who He is and his faithfulness. I mean, I did pray to going through the Psalms and there's a place where you drew water out of a rock and created a pool and I just stopped and said, God, that's what I'm praying for. In this situation, and in this situation, you're the God who rescued them here. You're God what brought water out of a rock and satisfied them, gave them a, a, a pool, a lake to drink from. That's the God. And when we remind ourselves, that's where the strength that we do not forget what he's done for us, but we will, if we don't pursue. Verse 10 says, Therefore, my brothers, because of everything I said, what's the therefore, therefore? My brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling an election sure. To make it certain. Again, I can't do anything to add to my salvation. I, don't, I do not believe God is an Indian giver. You're saved. No, nope, you did that? No, you're not. Yeah, okay. Now you're back? Okay, now you're saved. No, nope, no, nope, no, nope. pull it back. I don't believe that's how God operates. What I do believe is that when we choose to enact and activate not only that which God has given us cuz I have everything I need and when i sh- diligently pursue these qualities in my life all of a sudden what that does it makes the calling election sure it means i am i'm in i don't doubt that i and i i honestly i don't think i've really ever doubted my salvation i, I don't mean that in a pride thing that's just I just believe God said what he said. I believe it. I'm holding on to it. Next, I'm moving on. There have been times I'm I don't know if you love me that much right now, God. I'm Okay. But I have never doubted God's salvation in my life. I've just seen so much. And when I stand around and see how God's operating here and how God's operating here, and watch this movement over here, it makes my calling, it gives validity to that confirmation. That's right, what I did in that college library with Mike and praying to receive Christ, that was, that was the day that he called me. And the result of my diligence is not salvation, it's stability, it's youthfulness, and fruitfulness. When I diligently pursue those things, it's not saying, okay, I'm adding to my salvation. I can't add anything to my salvation. What it is saying, that salvation is real, look, I'm useful, I'm stable, I, pr- I produce fruit because it's a natural thing that comes out of my life when I apply pr- and, and pursue those things as something that I, I'm gaining moral courage and I'm gaining more knowledge and I'm gaining self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. Those are just assurances in them and the fruitfulness that I see. God, you are so awesome. What you did in that college library is still true today. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. He's not talking about sinfulness, all right? That's why we have repentance. That's why we ask forgiveness for sins on a regular basis. I will never fall in that which God has given me because my, I have assurance. Because you know what assurance is when when you when you know how to do something. I mean last night I, I, I loved to cook, obviously. I love to cook. And so I made an omelet for my wife. And but I've done this a long time. And I'm very very secure in my omelet making skills of how to make a good tasting omelet because I've done it. Many, many times. There's an assurance there. I don't have to think. Okay, how do, do I crack the egg? All right. Do I do I leave the shell in or shell out? I don't have to do that. All right. I know what vegetables to grab. I know what to cook. I know what to how to steam them, salt them, do this. Egg flake. Wait. wait boom, flip, flip, boom. Here you go. It was pretty fast last night. Because why? I've done it a lot of times, and I enjoy doing it. That's that assurance. And he said, guys, that's that confidence you will receive. You're not going to fail. I, I rarely fail at making an omelette. And if, it's, if the egg falls apart, it's the egg. It's the chicken. She just didn't do her good job, okay? That <laughs> yolk just wasn't holding things together. When I pursue these moral qualities, my life is reflective of that. And all of a sudden, there's a fragrance that people notice. Because you notice fruitfulness. You notice when trees are fruiting out and budding, and the smells and the changes. There's certain times that are in your backyard. It's just crazy the aroma that's in there. But it's drawing. You can't help but, oh, that smells so good. And that's what our lives are supposed to be when we pursue these things. And the promise in verse 11 says, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This rich welcome is not only talking about now, it's talking about someday. Yeah, a person who pops in here every now and then. I love this man. He's in heaven today. He went to be with Jesus a couple days ago. And when I know someone, and as well as I know them, I always picture what's the first thing they're going to see, and I know that's going to be seeing Jesus. This warm welcome of... Well done, good and faithful servant. The Lord rewards his children. There's scriptures in your notes to look at. There's reward. He he does keep track of those things. But he said that's the if. Because you choose, if you want to pursue these things, then these things will happen. If you choose not to, then these things are going to happen. (coughs) I promise you that. These things are going to happen. So what are you going to choose? That's what Peter said. You want to survive this false teaching and this moral decay that's taking place? Then pursue these. Your salvation is perfect and complete. You can't do anything to add to your salvation. But what you can do is diligently pursue these so that you create a fragrance that people just sense this God is real in your life. And because you're having moral excellence and courage to stand up, because you've seeked that, sought out the knowledge of God, because you have that self-control to contain yourself, because you've taken the perseverance that when the hits come, you're not going to quit, you're not going to give up. You're going to hold in an adoration and, and just worthy worship unto God. You're going to show brotherly kindness to your family. You're going to be showing love to those who are around you. That is when this fragrance, as he marches us through as victors, people will sense that we know God. The application in your notes is that list of those seven things. And part of the challenge is for you this week is to go through that and say, okay, I've got this one down pretty good. i got a good grasp on this one. Woo! I didn't even know this word existed. I need to focus in on this one. And a lot of scripture to look up just to encourage you. How am I going to pursue this? Again, it's a choice that we make every day. I like to say, I make that choice every day. No, but I want to be noted to making those choices more often than not, that this is who I'm choosing to be. I can't add to my salvation, it's perfect and complete. Today, Lord, I will diligently pursue that which you have for me to do because you've given me everything I need you've you walked into my life you've given everything I need to do this you've been, and you've told me you want me to be a part of the plan that you have so pursue these because when you pursue these people will know that you represent him Father now and I thank you for this day uh, thank you that you're not done with us so help us encourage us Father that uh you're large and in charge nothing is surprising you but you still put that if then you're not going to force us you're not going to make us it's our choice may horizon be a sweet fragrance in our neighborhoods in our workplaces father as we deal with each other in this world as crazy as it seems to be getting that they will know we a relationship with you and we pray these things in jesus name amen thanks for tuning in to horizon community Church's podcast our hope and prayer is that wherever you are you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way more information about horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org